Hey guys, welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Hockey Podcast. This is going to be the first full episode. Uh, before we get into it too much, I just want to say that right now I currently don't have a mic, but that is something that's going to be coming in the future, so the quality will be improving. But for now, just bear with me. Uh, before we get into everything, I just want to say um, to rest in peace to Walter Gretzky, uh, Canada's hockey dad, and just take a moment to pay our respects. So without any further ado, let's just get into it. So this morning when I woke up, I got some pretty good news. Turns out last night, the Calgary Flames have fired head coach Jeff Ward and have hired Daryl Sutter as their head coach. Now, I'm not saying Daryl Sutter was the best head coach that was available on the market, but it is certainly an upgrade over Jeff Ward. I do feel bad for Jeff Ward because he was put in a position where I think he was destined to fail. Um, there's just certain guys that... Make better assistant coaches, better head coaches. There's guys that are better at coaching junior. There's guys that are better at coaching men. And this was one of those cases where Jeff Ward was just a little in over his head. Um, and unfortunately, he had to go. Now, bringing Daryl Sutter in is a really interesting choice by the Calgary Flames. I've seen a lot of people that have differing opinions on whether this was the right guy to bring in or not. Regardless of whether he's the right guy, it's definitely an upgrade, like I said. Um, but... I think this is a good move for the Calgary Flames. I mean, Daryl Sutter won two Stanley Cups with the LA Kings, and depending on who you ask, some people think he won a Stanley Cup with the Calgary Flames, depending whether you think that goal was in or not. He really only coached for two seasons in Calgary before he got put in the general manager position, and I think that's where a lot of the bad reputation comes from because he wasn't a good general manager, but when he was the head coach and that was his only role, he took this team to the Stanley Cup final and he won a division title. I think this is going to be a good move. Now, is maybe his style of play a little outdated? Maybe, but who knows? Maybe he can adapt to that. Now, there's a few players I'm interested to see uh, how they perform. One player in particular is Sam Bennett. Um, I was actually talking to my dad this morning as we were talking about the news that Jeff Ward was no longer the head coach, and he was saying that, you know, it really is unfortunate that he possibly wants out of Calgary because he is a Daryl Sutter type of player. And honestly, I can't agree more. Um, I'm kind of wondering maybe if he can get it turned around and and maybe he does decide he wants to stay in Calgary now that he's got a coach that you know possibly is gonna give him a give him a good hand. Like we saw what Sam Bennett can do in his rookie season. He had 18 goals and 18 assists. That's a, I'm not saying he's better than Matthew Kachuk or he was ever gonna be better than Matthew Kachuk, but that is comparable with uh, with Matthew Kachuk's first rookie season, and that was under a system that was working for Sam Bennett. I do think that Sam Bennett is capable of being a 20 goal scorer. Uh, that's probably where his ceiling is, 20 goals, 40-point guy, if he can get back on track. And hopefully that's in Calgary, But and if not, then fine. We'll have you know I wish him the best wherever he ends up. But I do think that Daryl Sutter will be good for Sam Bennett. Uh, the big thing is going to be what kind of system is Daryl Sutter going to implement? Because you know, that's, that's the big thing people are saying when they're critiquing is, you know, maybe his systems are going to be a little outdated and we're going to be kind of stuck where we're, we're at right now. Um, you know, is he going to bring in that system that worked really well in 2004 and in 2006 during the regular season, but maybe is a little bit slow paced for the game today? Or is he going to look at what happened in 2019? You know, I know they got thumped in the first round, but during the regular season, they were elite and they were clearly a really good scoring team. You know, they were second in the league with God awful goaltending. Is he going to bring a sim system similar to that and just build off what works? 
while trying to improve what on what doesn't work. Um, there's a press conference going to happen in about five minutes here as I'm recording this, so maybe we'll get some answers on that, and I'll finish the podcast after that once we have some more information. All right, so that was an interesting press conference with Trey Living and Sutter. Um, got a few talking points here, so without any further delay, let's just get right into it. So one interesting thing uh, a lot of people were curious and even a little critical about was, is Daryl Sutter going to be outdated going into the game? Now, obviously, you can talk the talk all you want. We won't actually know until he gets behind the bench. But um, he says he wants to evolve with the game. Or at least that's how I interpreted it. You know, he understands it's not the same game it was in 04 or 06 or whatever. He knows that the game has changed. So I think that's a really good sign. Um, unfortunately, I didn't even consider this, but because of COVID, uh, he won't be here coaching in Calgary for the game against Edmonton. And I can't remember. I don't think he'll be there for the game against Ottawa either. Um, but that is what it is, you know, uh, it'd be nice to have him here, but obviously better to be safe than sorry. Uh, one thing that I was really intrigued by is that, you know, he talks a lot about unfinished business, you know, having a bit of a sour taste still from 2004, you know, that flight back from Tampa. And so, you know, this is a guy, you know, he, he, this isn't a guy that wants to come in and just make the playoffs, right? Like the, like in the past, that's kind of been, seems like that's been the ownerships and the management's, uh, mantra is just make it in and anything can happen. But it sounds like he actually wants to get this team to contender status. And, and if you ask Daryl Sutter, you know, he thinks the competitive, the pieces are here, you know, they've got, they've got a really good forward group, you know, maybe they could still use another top six forward. Um, they've got really good goaltending. Their defense maybe needs a little work, but it, like I've seen worse defenses contend, you know, if Mark Giordano and Raspis Anderson can get back to their proper form, then this is a pretty good defensive core. Really, I think he's not far off. I do think that there should be some additional pieces, like another top six forward brought in. But, yeah, I agree with him that, you know, there's no reason for this team not to compete. Uh, one thing the media asked a few times about was that this has been kind of a revolving door of head coaches over the last five years. And uh, they're not wrong. It has been. And, the, you know, the kind of some of the attitude comes down to like, well, if you've had this many coaches and they can't make it work, is it maybe not coaching as much as it is the core? And, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, because if you actually look at, you know, who the coaches have been in the last five years, how many of them have found work elsewhere? You know, Jeff Ward probably isn't getting a head coaching job anytime soon. He might get an assistant coach job somewhere, but he's definitely not going to be head coach anywhere. Uh, Glenn Gullitson, I don't even know what he's doing now. Bob Hartley, I think, is back in Latvia. And Bill Peters, I'm not sure what he's up to, but I can't imagine if he's coaching anywhere, it would be in the KHL. Uh, Like, really, none of these guys have gone on to be NHL coaches, and that should tell you something. I mean... You know, it kind of comes down to, like, is the ownership just ownership just being cheap in the past? Um, you know, and it's a, I think it's a fair question, especially when they made Jeff Ward the head coach. Was was it they were just being cheap? Because it's not as if there wasn't legit proven NHL coaches available, including Daryl Sutter, but also guys like uh, Gallant and Boudreaux were available. And then as of a few weeks ago, Julian was available too. So... Really, I think it is a fair question to say, you know, was the ownership being cheap in the past? I don't think that the core is the problem. I do think that the core needs some support. They need some reinforcements. 
in their middle six and their and their bottom four on D for sure. But no, I don't think I don't think players like Goudreau, Monahan, Kachuk, Markstrom, Giordano, I don't think those guys are the problem. And I think they are they are part of the solution and we need to build the team around them. And so this is going to be a really interesting second half to the season, especially in the North Division. Um, you know, seeing can the Calgary Flames make the playoffs? I think they probably can. Whether they do or not, it's a tough call. My my hot take for the week is going to be that, yes, the Calgary Flames are going to squeak into the playoffs in either that fourth or third playoff spot. You know, I think Montreal is going to continue to falter a little bit. And I think Winnipeg probably has been overperforming a little bit, but, you know, Paul Maurice is a good coach, so maybe he can keep them at that level. Who knows? So, yeah, I think the Calgary Flames will make the playoffs, but at the same time, I'm not going to be too shocked if that prediction is wrong. That's why I'm calling it my hot take for the week. Okay, so we've covered Daryl Sutter. We've covered Calgary Flames uh, in the first 10 minutes or so of this podcast now. Um, now I time to switch gears a little bit. Uh, so the, we're going to be talking about the three most Western Canadian teams, Calgary included, but also Edmonton and Vancouver. The trade deadline, I think, is, is it five or six weeks away as I'm recording this. Um, it's going to be a really interesting trade deadline with the expansion draft coming up and with the shortened season uh, and with the border closed and everything. So uh, let's just get right into it in terms of what's possible for each of those three teams. So let's just start with the Edmonton Oilers because we've already covered the Calgary Flames quite a bit here. Um, I think so. They definitely need a little help on D, and I don't think anyone's disputing that. They've won a few games by high scoring games, they've lost a few of those games by high scoring games. Defense and goaltending are obviously the two main priorities. Now, as of last week, they claimed Staylock off waivers, and I think his cap hits like it's near the league minimum. And I thought that was a really good pickup by the Oilers. I think he's still injured, so he hasn't joined the team quite just yet. Um, but definitely a step in the right direction. And so, you know, maybe you put off on addressing that quite this season, and maybe that's something you look more into the off season for. That's why I'm saying defense first. You know, one one possible scenario is, uh, so they haven't really started negotiating with Ryan Nugent Hopkins by the sounds of it, unless that's changed in the last 24 hours, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, and so he's a good centerman right now. He's playing left wing, you know, he's a good, you know, top six guy, you know, he's probably not a first line center on a contending team, but there is one team in particular where that really stays out for me that could maybe use Hopkins services. That was the Minnesota wild and the Minnesota wild currently have four top pairing, in my opinion, defensemen. You can only protect three in the expansion draft unless you want to protect eight players, which I don't think the Minnesota wild are going to do. Uh, and it was the same thing in the offseason. Matt Dumbo was the one on the trade con- on the trading block, sorry. And so maybe there's something there with a Hopkins for Dumba trade. You know, maybe you open the door for Minnesota to uh, negotiate some kind of contract, and then you maybe do a one-for-one swap, or if you have to add a sweetener in there, I don't know. But I think Matt Dumba would fit in well with the Oilers. They both cap hit at $6 million. Uh, Dumba's runs for a little bit longer. Obviously, Hopkins is over at the end of this season. You know, Dumba, you know, he's a, he's an Alberta boy. I mean, he was born in Saskatchewan, but he played a lot of hockey in Calgary. In the WHL, he played for the Red Deer Rebels. You know, I think I think he fits really well on that top line for the Edmonton Oilers if they can get him. Question is, do you want to give up Hopkins? Uh, and that's a, that's a tough position to be in, you know. In this league, you got to give up good to get good. And 
you know, Hawkins has been a foundational player of the Edmonton Oilers for a long time now. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, if they can't, if they can't get anything, any kind of traction negotiated, maybe they do start to open the door to trade talks on Hopkins. I don't know. But I think that is something that maybe the, you could see the Oilers potentially doing was going after a player like Matt Dumba. There's other defensemen available. You know, it sounds like there's going to be a few of them. This, like David Savard from Columbus and uh, Elkholm from Nashville are both available. The thing is also to consider Edmonton doesn't have a whole lot of cap space. And really, they don't have a whole lot of fat to trim that other teams probably want, if that makes sense. You know, like, yes, they have some bloated contracts, but, you know, nobody's going to want James Neal. So you, you're not going to be able to trade James Neal for uh, Ekholm or Savard or whatever, right? It's just not going to work. And so, you know, maybe you have to dip into your prospect pool. Maybe you have to dip into your draft picks. Uh, but you have to find a way to unload some of these bigger contracts first. You know, or at the very, or at the very least, you have to be willing to part with a guy like Hopkins, which is definitely a tough pill to swallow for Oil Nation. But like I said, you do have to give good to get good, and you know, Minnesota Wild aren't just going to give up on Matt Dumba. Nashville's not going to just give up on Ekholm. Columbus isn't going to just give up on Savard. I'm not saying trade Hopkins for Ekholm or or Savard, but if it if it's a trade that involves Matt Dumba, I think it is worth looking into for the Edmonton Oilers. You know, this is the best this team has played in a long time. Right now, they're on a bit of a three-game skid. They kind of got thumped by Toronto there, uh, 3-0, 4-0, and 6-1, I think it was. So, But they're still having an all-right year. They're second in the Canadian division right now. This is the one of the best, like, best opportunities since 2017 that they've had to compete. And so that's where you really have to decide, you know, are we just going to go into the playoffs and try and outscore every game? and hope that Mike Smith or Koskin or Stalock can play average because that's the only way you win. If, if Koskin or Smith or Stalock are off their game even just a little bit, you might score five goals, but you're going to let in six as the team stands right now. So it is going to be interesting going to the trade line, particularly for the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, uh, just maybe going more into the offseason season. And even maybe this trade deadline, who knows if they can make something work. There is going to be goalies this year available at the deadline. You know, Columbus has two good goalies. Boston's got two all-right goalies with Halak and Rask. Um, Arizona and Dallas both have two start, arguably starting goalies. And so really, you do have options out there if you do decide, you know, you don't feel comfortable with those three guys. You know, if you do want to try and outscore and rely on some world-class goaltending it is an option, but it's a little trickier to make work right now. And the other big thing too, obviously, we've already I've already pointed out that you know with the borders and everything, you trade for this guy, you're waiting two weeks for him to be there. You know we saw what happened with Winnipeg when they got PLD, it took him a couple of weeks before he was actually allowed to join the team, and so that is definitely something that weighs into it. Um, but yeah, I think. I do expect the Oilers to at least inquire about defensemen. Whether they're actually able to pull the trigger on anything at this deadline, who knows? Maybe Ken Holland can pull off something off. All right, so now we're going to do the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I'm a little pissed at the Vancouver Canucks, actually. I've never been a big Vancouver Canucks fan. I cheer for the Flames. Um, but I did have them doing a lot better than they have this off se- than they have this season. You know, I, I predicted they would be top three in the Canadian division. And up to this point, I've been wrong, and so far, I really don't see that changing. 
they're in kind of a crappy spot, to be honest with you. Arguably one of the crappiest spots cap-wise um, of any Canadian team. So-, so with the Vancouver Canucks, you've got, in my opinion, six really bloated contracts, which is, I think, more than any other team in the league. I haven't checked all the other teams, but six is a lot. Uh, you have Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel, both at $3 million for three more years. You have Tyler Myers at $6 million for five more years. And then these last three... Luckily for Vancouver, all expire at the end of the year. That's Alexander Edler for one year at six million, Pearson at three point seven five million for one year, and Brandon Sutter at four point three seven five million. So that's good news and bad news. The good news is that is going to help them resign three coveted RFAs: Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and Thatcher Demko going into this offseason. The bad news is, is I don't know if it's going to be enough. You know, you do have a few more contracts expiring, like Travis Hamanick and Jordy Ben. But it's going to be a tight squeeze. You know, you almost need one of those guys to take a team-friendly deal to make it work. So I, I don't really expect Vancouver to be insanely active at the deadline. The only two players I think to maybe watch for is Edler and Pearson. Um, you know, I read something this morning that Edler would be willing to accept a, con- a trade to a uh, contender. You know, I don't know who's going to take him. Maybe Colorado's got cap space for him, but I don't know if they really have space on their blue line for him. You know, that's a pretty big contract to take on. You know, if you're a contending team, chances are you're pretty up against the cap. Uh, Tanner Pearson's the other one. You know, he's he's kind of been an up-and-down player. Uh, you know, he's a good middle six guy. His contract's a little expensive, but if you're going into the playoffs or the win-now mode, you know, his contract's up over at the end of the year. And they're not really sure of his future in Vancouver. So he's a guy I could see on the move away from Vancouver just so that they don't lose him for nothing because I don't think they'll be able to afford to re-sign them with Pedersen and Hughes and Demko. But I don't really see the Vancouver Canucks making lots of uh, moves to improve themselves this trade deadline. More more moves for the future, I think, than anything. Okay, and final team talk going to talk about going into this trade deadline, my favorite team, the Calgary Flames. Um, now, over the last seven years as a Calgary Flames fan, Trey Living in charge, grown pretty accustomed to hearing the words, the Calgary Flames are in on X player. Uh, pretty much every time there's a big fish, the only two exceptions that I can remember off the top of my head was Eric Carlson and John Tavares, but, you know, with Alex Petrangelo, with Taylor Hall twice, um, you know, we heard that, you know, oh, the flame, we heard it with Mark Stone, we heard it with Jason Zucker, we heard it with Wayne Simmons, you know, and it never seems to work out. The only time it's worked out was Jacob Markstrom, um, but we're hearing it again this time, and it's Philip Forsberg, and I would really love it if Calgary could get Philip Forsberg. So he's on a $6 million contract, uh, two years left on, expiring the same year as Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau's uh, contracts were both expiring. And I would love for Calgary to bring him in. You know, I think that would really round out the top six. And, I, that you know, that's something Calgary fans have been preaching for a while. You know, we just need a top six forward. Uh, we just need one more. And that would really allow that Elias Lindholm to play with Mange and Kachuk rather than on the wing with Goudreau and Monaghan. You know, maybe we bump Backlund down to the third line again. Um, you know, the question is, is though, what's the asking price for Forsberg? And I can't imagine it's an insignificant amount for the Nashville Predators. So obviously, if Nashville even is interested in trading Forsberg, and it's not all smoke, uh, the asking price is going to be high. So I made a list of just three wingers that have been traded in the last few years, you know, what they were traded for, and maybe we can 
try and come up with what would be a reasonable asking price for the Nashville Predators. So the Mark Stone trade, which I'm not saying that Forsberg is as good as Mark Stone, but it's just it's just a comparison. Uh, the Ottawa Senators got Lindbergh, Brandstrom, and a second-round pick. So they got a middle first-round pick, a second-round pick, and kind of a bottom-six player out of the deal. You know, they probably sold a little light because his contract was over at the end of that season. They knew he wasn't re-signing. Um, Taylor Hall, when he got traded to Arizona from New Jersey, even though he was in a similar situation as Stone in terms of probably wasn't re-signing only one year left, they actually got a lot more. So they got a conditional first-round pick, a conditional third-round pick, um, a third-round prospect, and, and Nate Shear. I hope I'm not pronouncing that too wrong. Uh, late first-round, Nick Merkley, and then uh, second-round pick, Kevin Ball, second-round pick. So hopefully I didn't butcher those names too much. Uh, and then you have the Max Pacioretty trade, and in the Max Pacioretty trade, you have got another top six forward back in Thomas Tatar, a first-round prospect, Nick Suzuki, who's been awesome for the Canadians, and you got a second-round pick on top of that. So I don't know which of those would be the most comparable. Probably Max, excuse me, Max Pacioretty. Um, the thing is, is if that's what's comparable, I don't think it's worth it for the Flames to make a trade if they have to trade another top six forward. Now, being said, if that top six forward, or if they're willing to settle for a top nine forward even, um, say that's Sam Bennett, maybe, and then you had a first-round prospect, and maybe it's uh, Pelchier or Zari, as much as I would love to see them in Calgary, you know, if Forsberg's the, the trade-off, maybe it's worth it, and then you throw in a second-round pick. Or maybe it's Bennett and Shillington and a second-round pick, and then maybe another draft pick. Um, if Nashville's willing to go for something like that, I'm all for it. The other thing is, to Calgary, just like Edmonton and Vancouver, not a whole lot of cap space. So again... Somebody else would have to be moving out. You know, maybe it's Derek Ryan. His contract's up at the end of this year. You know, Sam Bennett, if he was part of the deal, I think his contract is $2.5 million. And so you'd have to move out probably Derek Ryan and one other guy to make that work. And I don't know who that would be necessarily. Um, realistically, I think it probably is all smoke. I don't think the Nashville Predators are going to trade Forsberg. But if, if he actually is on the market, then I think... Calgary Flames definitely should be one of the teams in on him. Okay, so now that we've covered all that, uh, I'm going to wrap up the podcast now. Uh, thanks for listening. It's still a work in progress. You know, it, it is going to get better. This is my first time doing anything like this, so I appreciate anyone out there that's listening to this. Um, I am going to get some recording equipment, and as I get more experience with it, obviously I'm going to get better at it. Uh, tonight there is no Canadian teams playing, but tomorrow night we have Toronto versus Vancouver, Winnipeg versus Montreal, and Calgary versus Edmonton. Uh, that Calgary versus Edmonton will be an interesting game to watch. Sounds like Jacob Markstrom should be back in time for that. Um, so that's all for this week, and have a fun and safe weekend, guys. Bye.